Thank you. Nope, that's not it. That's it. There we go. Okay. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you again. Message today, Son of Man with a Plan. Plans are interesting things, I found. It's good to have them, but they nearly always change. At least that's been my experience. Can I get an amen? I've also discovered some other things about plans. First, men make terrible women. Maybe you've noticed this, yes. We're not good at it. We're not equipped for it. Sometimes that's hard to remember. When it comes to planning, we men have a well-earned reputation for shooting from the hip, making it up as we go. I know there's several reasons for this. First, we would like to think that we don't need to plan because we got this. We can handle this. We know what we're doing. We've done this before. We've got everything lined up already. It's all in here. We're good. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we don't want to plan because, dang it, it's a lot of work. You've got to think on things, and you've got to figure things out, and you've got to write it down, and you've got to talk to people. Whew, golly, it just wears you out, doesn't it? And all you women are going, yeah, and? Sometimes we don't want to plan because we actually don't have time. Because all of a sudden, something new has come up that nobody anticipated, and you've got to come up with something. So, when it comes to planning, there are, did I get that? Speaking of planning. Okay, it says it's on. It's the greater than sign, right? Arrow to the right. Okay, there we go. See, I knew it would work. Steps of planning. First, you have to recognize that there's a need for a plan. People need to know, whoops, what, okay. Slow down. Let's try this one more time. Yay, stay, sit, good boy. Got to know how to talk to these machines. You have to recognize a need for a plan. If there's a problem and leadership is required, You can't just go off and do stuff. People need to know how to respond in this situation. If you're responsible for a group of people or even just for one other person, communication of plans is necessary. Now, realizing that there's a need for a plan is greatly affected by what you focus on. How often do we complain that those in charge of us are blind to or ignorant of the problems that we ourselves are so very keenly aware of? How often are we surprised by similar complaints of other people around us? Being aware is something that nobody does perfectly. All of us find fault in others for the same problems we have ourselves. My wife and I go back and forth about which one of us listens better. You guys ever had that argument? 
The truth is that both of us miss what the other one says if we're focused on something else. You've probably seen in TV, movie, maybe in a cartoon, the caricature of the husband and wife, the classic conversation that doesn't happen, where the husband's reading a newspaper and going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, and the wife's going on about all these things. It's important to make sure people are plugged in before you start talking to them, because they may be thinking about something else entirely. I like the analogy of the switchboard. You guys ever seen the old switchboard for telephone calls? There's, there's the operator with the headphones, and there's all these holes and plugs going in different ones. And yes, I can connect you to, yes, hold please. You know, I'll. Men have one hole. At least I do. It's a big hole. So when it's plugged in, it is plugged in. But there's only one. If you try to plug in something else, it ain't going to go. So if I'm plugged into one thing, I can't be plugged into something else. My wife has learned this. And she makes sure to get my attention before she tells me things, at least most of the time. Thank you for learning me. I appreciate it. I have learned that she has a lot of holes. And half of them have to be plugged in all the time. So I've learned that she can pick up stuff that's going on without anyone, you know, getting her attention because her attention's already out there. I'm not that way. I'm amazed at the female mind. My mom used to be able to have the radio on, be on the phone, cooking supper, washing clothes all at the same time and still be, and still be the mom who says, "Hey, put that down." Incredible. My mind cannot do that. I admire the people who can. So, if you're doing something else, you can miss all kinds of important details, can't you? How many times have you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your parents said, but we talked about that. And one of you says, when? Where was I? You were right there. You said, yes, I did. Let's just face it, folks. Our brains leak, don't they? We don't remember things perfectly. It takes focus to get things sometimes. So when there's a need for a plan, you've got to make one, and that means taking responsibility, right? You ever tried getting a group of people to agree on which movie to watch or which restaurant to go to? Hope you've got time or a really loud, angry voice, because if you don't have one or the other, you're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> uh, and then there's that one person who doesn't have an opinion until something's decided, and then that's the wrong thing. So the second step, after you recognize the need for a plan, you've got to take responsibility and make one. So when you decide to make, when someone decides to make a plan, it means that you've decided not to take the easy way out and just kind of pass it off to somebody else. You've decided, nope, let's make a plan. There's a problem. I'm willing to take charge of dealing with the problem. So that's a good step. But we're not done, are we? The next step is harder. You actually have to execute the plan. 
you have to get it started. You can't just type it up and hand it to people, right? <laughs> you ever tried that? You have to get it started. You have to blow the whistle. You have to say, go! Or else people won't do it. There are a few people out there who are wonderful self-starters and all you have to do is point them in the right direction. But most of the time with a group of people, it takes some leadership. Hey, everybody, we're going that way. <laughs> Somebody's got to say it. And when you decide you're going to execute, this means you've really got to put something in. You're either paying with money or time or sweat or blood or some combination of those things if you decide you're going to be the one pushing this plan forward. If you're willing to sacrifice, you can get some things done. However, plans, especially the plans of God's people, are often opposed. John Eldridge says every joy is deeply opposed. We have an enemy. Plans can be misunderstood. That ever happened? No, no, the other one. Plans can also be fouled up by circumstances beyond our control. So then what? When you face opposition, when you face resistance, when you face misunderstanding or things that have happened that are nobody's fault, but now there's another problem, what do you do? That brings up the last step. If this plan is important, if executing it is important, if it's important enough to take responsibility and start paying a price for it, it's probably important enough to finish. Again, this is not something everybody does well. This is hard. Harder even than the other steps we've talked about. Because by the time you've done those first three steps, you might think, we tried. But sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes the group doesn't follow the plan. Sometimes things don't work out the way they're supposed to. And then you've got a decision to make. You fold? Or are you all in? Because the last step is to work until it's complete. Whatever it costs. That's a big step to take. Not everybody's willing to take it. And we can't afford to take it every time something happens to a plan. Sometimes you've got to scrap it and move on to the next one. So this kind of commitment to planning and following through is rare and should be valued when we find it. Hello? Can you guys just advance to the next one, please? Thank you. <laughs> See, we had to reroute there. So that's what happens when we make plans. When God makes plans, it's a little different, naturally, because God's different from us. He was human, but he's so much more than just human. When God makes a plan, he will execute it. Nothing will stop him from doing so. Not our suffering and not his 
not our confusion or misunderstanding. Not the confusion or misunderstanding of those around us. Not circumstances. Not cultural values or customs. Not rules or regulations. Not those in authority or those with influence. Not our fears or weaknesses. Nothing. It's kind of hard to relate to. Our lives involve a lot of negotiating, a lot of deal-making. God doesn't have to do that. I'm going to show you a clip from a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. If you're not familiar with Gilbert and Sullivan, they were British. Most operas are not written in English. Maybe you know that. Most operas are tragic in their emotional tone. Gilbert and Sullivan, like a lot of English media people, went a different direction. They decided they were going to make their operas satires, funny, happy endings, nobody dies, and in English. So that's what they did. This clip is from one called The Mikado, which is, a, which is set in Japan. And we're going to hear, <laughs> we're going to see a clip of one of the satires that they have in their, in their opera. Do I need to hit the... Ooh, in particular, oh. Merely corroborative detail intended to give artistic verisimilitude. Will you refrain from putting in your oar? <laughs> now, Your Majesty, it's like this. When Your Majesty says, let a thing be done, it's as good as done. Practically, it is done because Your Majesty's will is law. Now, Your Majesty says, kill a gentleman. Consequently, a gentleman is told off to be killed. Well, that gentleman is as good as dead. Practically, he is dead. And if he is dead, why not say so? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I see. Nothing could possibly be more satisfactory. I promise I won't laugh like that. When your majesty says that a thing is to be done, practically it is done. Because your majesty's word is law. And if you say it is going to be done, practically it is done, it's as good as done. So why not say so? that how we think about God's plans? If God says it, guaranteed, it's in the bag, checks in the mail, it's as good as done, and then we say so? That's faith. The evidence of things not seen. Talking about what God says as though it's already guaranteed and completed as though nothing in the world can stop it. And it doesn't matter what happens between now and then, it's going to happen anyway. That is the God we serve. Practically it is done. It's as good as done. So why not say so? Let's remember who we are talking about when we're tempted to get caught up in cynicism and fear 
and scoffing even about what God says will happen someday. We're not talking about the plans of a man that may not get completed or the plans of a woman that may change several times or the plans of a child that don't take into account practical limitations. We are talking about God. Not even the most creative, resourceful, determined among us can do what he can do. Those plans fall short of the plainest and simplest of God's designs and completed works. When God says it, he makes it happen the way he says it. Do you remember the story of Samuel, the prophet in Israel? The Bible says that God made sure none of his words fell to the ground. It means that if Samuel said, this is what God says, God made sure that is what happened. Wow. That's, that's really cool. First, that God would do it, and second, that he can do it. When we say something will happen, we understand, all of us, that we're predicting, we're estimating, we're assuming, we're anticipating that we are dependent on a great many forces beyond our control. Even in a video game, we are dependent. No matter how much control we are able to exert over others or ourselves or circumstances, there's always something out there over which we have no control. And that's God himself. God is not dependent upon anyone or anything. He could destroy the whole world and start over and we would be helpless to stop him. He could end it all right now and no one could prevent or fix that action. His power is so unfathomable to us because we realize how weak we are by comparison. telling Dallas Henry this morning that if I don't write stuff down, man, it's gone. My brain's got a lot of holes. We need to remember who we are talking about and who we're talking to when we talk to God, when we talk about God's plans. We need to remind ourselves that the God who made water so particularly who made the sky for birds and the water for fish, who made the sun to rule the day and the moon and stars for signs and for seasons, who goes to prepare a place for each one of us so we can be with him. That God is who we mean when we say God will do what he says. That God, the one who healed in the Old Testament, who healed in the New Testament, whose disciples healed in the early church, and who still heals today, as many stories from all of you can testify, that God is who we are talking about. That God, the one who made that impossible situation resolve, that God who opened that impossible doorway for you, that God who used the craziest, most improbable series of situations to equip you perfectly for the position you are in. That God is the one we are talking about. That God's plans. 
hear the word of the Lord regarding his plans. Habakkuk 2, chapter, uh, verse 3. The vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it. Since it will certainly come and not be late. Jeremiah 29.11, you can probably quote it with me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for your disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Psalm 40, verse 5. Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wonderful works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to speak of them, they are more than can be told. Isaiah 25, verse 1. Yahweh, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have accomplished wonders. Plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Somebody say amen. Mm. We are not perfectly faithful. Our plans fall apart. God's plans don't. Proverbs 5.21, a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes and he considers all his paths. Isaiah 55.8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. How about some more? Exodus 12.12, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. I am Yahweh. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. Don't try and stop this God. It's not going to work. Notice how intentional and how thorough God is. Even in the little bit that he tells us about what he's up to, we can understand that much. In Ezekiel, 14 times the phrase, I will execute against, is used. You get the feeling God's determined here? You read through some other of the minor prophets and you start to read about God's curse against this and God's judgment against this people and God's going to bring disaster in this way. And God has plans. God's not just sitting up there letting things go on by. He is intimately involved in the smallest details. Jesus said, every hair on your head is numbered. Why? I don't care how many hairs are on my kids' heads. <laughs> I mean, I love my kids, but you see how much more God loves us? We love our kids a lot. But that's nothing. Nothing compared to how much God loves us. Hairs on our head. of all the things to care about. Psalm 
Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. The Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. Boy, I love that verse these days. He thwarts the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Things are not as they seem. You can't look at the news and say, yep, that's reality. Romans 8.25 But if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with patience. What does that look like? Eagerly with patience? You ever seen a kid eagerly with patience? Seen eagerly. (laughs) Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No! Use your eyes! Right? We're that way, aren't we? Lord, are you at this time going to return the kingdom to Israel? That's us. How about now? How about you heal me now? Patience is hard. Lamentations 3.26 It is good to wait quietly for deliverance from the Lord. It's not easy. It's hard to wait. Isaiah 46.10 I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, My plan will take place and I will do all my will. Wow. Yes, sir. That God is the one whose plans we are talking about. So how do we think about God's will? Hoping? Wishing? Slot machine? Maybe, maybe not. Try again. God is the unmanipulatable. I don't know if that's a word. but He's the one impervious to every lie and trick the one with infinite patience and immeasurable zeal. No one is firmer in their decisions than God. No one more determined or relentless in their execution. No one but God alone can claim to be unstoppable. Who else but God can claim to care as much as he does for those in need. I'm going to tell you some short summaries of these people from the Bible who looked for all the world like God had just booted them to the side. Nope. Circumstances? Nope. Upbringing? Nope. Good luck? Nope. Nothing. These people were... were Outcasts. They were left behind by the attention of the world. But God had plans for these people. Hagar, responsible for her son Ishmael, mistreated by her mistress Sarah. And by the way, God told her to go back the first time she ran away and submit to the mistreatment. I don't know that I would have done that, at least not very gracefully. 
She gets cast out by Abraham. And God was, where was he in all of that? He allowed every bit of it. Even directed some of it because Abraham went to him for help. She's wandering in the desert about to die. God has plans for Hagar. God had plans for Hagar and for Ishmael as he does for all single parents. Those abandoned and those burdened with responsibility. Ruth, widowed after only 10 years of marriage to a foreigner, saw her mother-in-law Naomi widowed and bereft of both her sons. There was something in there, though, that convinced her to join Naomi and worship Naomi's God in spite of all the tragedy that Naomi had been through. Rather than let Naomi risk the journey to Israel alone, Ruth left her family, her people, her culture, her identity to be Naomi's companion and caretaker. In a land where she knew she would be an outsider and at best, dirt poor. But God had plans for Ruth and for Naomi. Her story wasn't done. As he does for all widows and widowers, all caretakers, and those who sacrifice for the sake of those they love. Paul, devoted to religion, zealous, intelligent, decisive, a man of action, pursued all the followers of Christ to threaten, fracture, and smother their loyalty to what he believed was a false story. But God had plans for Paul, as he does for all those passionate, all those well-connected, all those misguided. David, we know the golden age of Israel was under King David, but he didn't start out in the palace. Forgotten in the sheep pasture, which of course doesn't smell very good. Excluded from the feasts. When Samuel came to town and his family was at the feast, they just left him out, just didn't invite him. Samuel had to go through and ask one by one, hey, is this... These all your sons, Samuel, because I'm supposed to anoint one of them, and God said none of these, so <laughs> what's going on? Samuel said, Well, there's the youngest, but we don't care about him. Samuel says, Bring him. We're not eating till he comes. Which meant they were about to have the feast without David. Mocked by his family, dismissed by royalty. Hunted by more than one government. Maligned by his colleagues. He chose to let his mortal enemy live twice when he could have killed him in what everyone would have said was self-defense. But God had plans for David as he does for all the diligent, the skillful, and the worshipful. And Job... Wonderful Job. Bereft in a day of all of his children, his possessions of every kind, his health, his social status, his confidence, and his hope. Had to endure his wife and friends standing against him in his most agonizing hours. But God had plans for Job. His story wasn't done either. 
as God does for all who grieve, all who remain faithful in trials, and all who speak the truth. And Hannah, hated and shamed by her jealous rival, exhausted by grief and sorrow, weary of waiting for rescue by the God to whom she had already been crying out, was subjected to rebuke and false accusation by the priest at the tabernacle. But God had plans for Hannah, as he does for all who long for an answer, all who desire children, and for the innocent who live with shame. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the author says, Time would fail me to mention all the other heroes of the faith and all that they did by God's power in them and their faith. It would seem that God sometimes has a flair for the dramatic, but that sometimes he keeps his works and plans carefully hidden until the right moment. It also seems that God's plans for each of his children involve a lot of uncomfortable, lonely, painful, humiliating, costly, agonizing circumstances, as well as his unmistakable presence in the midst of those circumstances. Clearly, Timing and results are God's responsibility, not ours. Our responsibility is obedience and faith. He says his ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. Do we trust them? Join me in prayer. Lord, you know what it's like to be down here. You know what it's like to be impatient. To want your plans to be fulfilled and it's not time yet. So I pray for all those who are waiting. All those who are asking, seeking, and knocking. For all those who are on the verge of giving up. Lord, I pray you would renew our strength that you would renew our faith that you would renew our hope in the God who never fails the God who's writing our stories who is with us in each moment who cares about the hairs on our head and who must care about the bigger things in our lives as well grant us confidence Lord confidence in you in spite of circumstances in spite of what we see help us to walk by faith and not by sight help us to hold on to you and to your word and to each other give us the courage we need in those difficult moments where it would be easy to throw it all away help us to hold on and hold on to us pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to end with a song.
from the sky So I could see the bigger picture And Lord, if I could sit with you at your feet For an hour or two I'm sure I'd ask too many questions Cause there's so much going on down here That I must confess I just don't understand I don't understand But I have prayed And at your feet my whole life has been laid So I won't worry, I won't Cause my soul is resting on your highways So let the road ahead become unclear For I am yours, so what have I to fear If my soul is resting on your highways
Thank you, James, for that wonderful reminder that God has a plan. And we can rest in that plan and we can trust in that plan. Amen.